Um, did you? It looks like you had a few different picks for who won the week. Did you make a decision on that? Yeah, I made a decision. Welcome to another week on the D3 Datacast. I'm Zach Snyder, joined by a slightly under-the-weather Matt Snyder. We're going to jump right into it, Matt, so that you can get to bed and uh, you can have your hot sleep and you'll be feeling well tomorrow. So let's let's jump right into it, just looking back slightly, Matt, at the past week. Who won for you? I, I thought of a couple different options. I thought of Calvin. I thought of Trine. They both got big wins in the MIAA. Calvin, of course, a rivalry win. Um, I thought about UW-Platteville getting a similar win over... UW Whitewater. I'm going to go with a player, though. I'm going to go with Sami Willoughby of Marietta. Marietta was down by three points in the first overtime at home to Heidelberg. Their pool C hopes are kind of on life support at this point. Um, down three, Marietta inbounds the ball. Uh, Sami Willoughby faces a lot of pressure. He's, he's, he's way behind the three-point line, throws it up, banks in the game, tying at that point three-pointer. Marietta goes on to handle Heidelberg in the second overtime. A big win for Marietta. It keeps their Pool C hopes alive should they not win the um, OAC championship, uh, OAC tournament championship, and get the Pool A bid. Uh, so that's that's a big win for the Pioneers, a big play for Sami Willoughby. He's been a big player for them all year, and I'm going to say for that play, he won the week. What about you, Zach? Well, just uh, that was a, uh, an amazing shot. I, it was going around on social media. If you haven't seen it, definitely find it. It shouldn't be too hard to find. It was definitely one of the plays from Saturday. Matt, that was an interesting game because probably one that Marietta felt they should have won in regulation yeah. and then one that Heidelberg felt that they should have won in overtime and then yeah. ultimately Marietta did win in double overtime. So just a very interesting game that, uh, you know, at the start of the second overtime, you knew no matter who won or who lost, that there was going to be a team that felt they should have mm -hmm. won who didn't and a team who was probably feeling lucky to have pulled it out after uh, squandering an opportunity to do it earlier in the game. Uh, but, Matt, I'm going to actually stay in the same conference and go with Wilmington, yeah. who proved that their win over Mount Union earlier this season was no fluke because they did it again, pulling off the season sweep of uh, Mount Union. Um, anyway, it's just not only that, but I think there's some good uh, momentum in the program. Either we're sitting here and still in January, and they're basically approaching what's been you know a recent high in terms yeah. of number of wins, both overall and in the conference. Uh, so good to see from Wilmington um, and, you know, not, not only just getting a big win in its own right, but to have that be the second time they've gotten yeah. Mount Union just to really, uh, you know, not that they needed to necessarily validate what they did the first time, but just to add a little extra emphasis there, shouts to Wilmington for, uh, for that win. And uh, they'll be my win the week. Yeah. Great. There. Great win for Wilmington. Great win. So, Matt, I'm sure that has uh, that game, uh, well, both the games you talked about had implications in how you approached your ballot this week. So let's move right into uh, presenting your top 25 ballot for this week. Run us through it, if you would. Yeah, I feel like um, not a ton of changes, maybe in the top um, 14 or 15 or so, as far as the, the teams that are that are in there, maybe shuffling around a little bit. But I feel pretty good about those teams. Uh, maybe Johns Hopkins kind of re-entering that picture uh, is maybe maybe the surprise there for me. Um, they were a team that took a couple of losses early in the season, but I think they're playing pretty well now. I think they look like they're maybe the favorites in the Centennial Conference, um, as we're kind of used to seeing. So Johns Hopkins is playing pretty well. Also starting to pull Christopher Newport back up my ballot. I feel like they're kind of uh, getting their program back on track after maybe some injuries. We heard about a, a suspension that lasted for a few games. 
Um, they've had some good results recently, so I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on Christopher Newport, and I'm ready to move them back up if they're continuing to play strong like that. Um, still really happy with Cal Lutheran in there at 17. And then I brought three American Rivers Conference teams in right in, right in a row. Loris Coe and Nebraska Wesleyan. Uh, for me, really tough to pick between these three. I think this is going to be a really interesting conference race. Uh, these three were just kind of outside of my top 25 last week. And with some shuffling on the back end here, they make it just in. So really excited to see what these three teams uh, can make of the, the ARC race. And also don't count out Dubuque in that race. They, um, they've taken a few losses recently, not maybe top 25 worthy in my mind anymore. But they're definitely a team that could challenge, challenge that conference as well. Um, also kind of enter, entering for maybe the first time for me is Claremont Mud Scripps. Um, I think they've, they're really finding it. They were a, t- a team that was kind of a head scratcher early. We heard about big things from their programs, players returning transfers in, and they just did not have a lot of early season results. So I put them on the back burner for a while, but they've probably had seven, eight solid games in a row now. Uh, they're a force in the, the Skyac. Um, they're going to, I think, be right up there challenging with Cal Lutheran, Pomona Pitzer, Redlands. Uh, right now, Cal Lutheran looks like the favorite there, but but I think Claremont Mud Scripps is going to be in that mix as well. Uh, and I'm still just kind of hanging on with Emory at uh, number 25. They got a good home win against Carnegie Mellon on Sunday. Uh, it's just a, a tough conference, the UAA there. So Emory, Emory for me is interesting because they've taken a few losses, but they've really been in every game. It doesn't matter if it's you know a tough UAA road game or if it's um, early season uh, overtime loss, I think, to Guilford. Uh, they've been really competitive with a lot of good teams. They played a strong schedule, so I'm still I'm still hanging in there with Emory. We've talked all season long about just the number of options there are in terms of you know, who's available or or worthy of being ranked in in you know to fill out a, a you know whether it's the final spot, five spots, ten spots, whatever it is. And the flavor I'm really getting this week, Matt, from your ballot here is that you know you know that there's top. 25 quality teams in the mix there in the like the American Rivers and uh in the Skyac and it's yeah. just a matter of having too many teams in the mix that you can't really differentiate and and you know we'll bring the UAA into this too right i mean uh you get into UAA play here and it just feels like all these teams are the same but you can't put yeah. them all in a top 25 but it's so it's like where's the break yeah. you know who you do vote for who you don't vote for same deal going on uh, you know, it's probably appropriate. You've got 18, 19, 20, Loris, Co, Nebraska Wesleyan, right? I know it, there's even a, a longer list there of teams that uh, in the ARC that people have been high on. And there's just, it's like, you know, whoever emerges from this group is worthy of a top 25 spot, but it's like, how do you pick which that, which yeah. team or, or two out of a group of three, four or five teams it is. And it, that, that just seems to be, it just changes kind of week by week. Yeah, and there's still a huge group behind this that I, I would like to rank that are right on the cusp. Teams like Rowan, teams like Stockton, teams like uh, Illinois Wesleyan, Hood, uh, Washington U, Marietta's probably in that group as well. Um, so there's still a bunch of teams. You know, if, if someone takes takes losses, then maybe a team moves out. But I also like, if you don't if you take a loss, but it's not a bad loss, that doesn't mean you're necessarily falling out of the top 25 either. So I think I like to take right. that into account as well. Um but yeah, there, there's a bunch of good teams. Just because the list ends at 25 doesn't mean there's only 25 good teams. And I think that's going to transition us well into our topic today because I think there's teams outside of this list that are going to be able to make some run in March. Yeah, Matt, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've started to take just a little peek ahead at you know the national picture as it pertains to regional rankings and, and the NCAA tournament. And so kind of continuing that theme, we wanted, we wanted to do that, uh, but uh, take a little bit of a different angle, right? From where we sit here, you know, there's maybe some teams that we're not thinking about much, but you know, uh, you know what? 
six, seven, eight weeks from now could be like, wow, look what they're doing. Look at this run they're making. And, and really, this is uh, mo- uh, you know, th- this discussion was is motivated by what we saw last year out of Whitewater and Nichols, right? Uh, two teams that um, had not been ranked in the top 25 at all during the regular season and then went on to make, you know, in the case of Whitewater, a Final Four run. Nichols was on the doorstep of a Final Four, making a run to the Elite Eight. You know, teams that at this point in the season, as we sit here, you know, getting into the end of January, probably uh, we weren't thinking of. But obviously they had something in them uh, that gave them the ability to make a run. And and so we thought we'd, we'd try to pick out maybe those those teams are uh for this season so we have here matt just listing like we said it's whitewater and nickels on the screen we took a, a snapshot of their seasons from last year uh, uh just we can see um from the massey ratings.com uh their their schedule and results from the beginning of the season to basically where we sit right now at this kind of like third week in january point and just to, to get a visual, just to remind ourselves of what these teams were, what their results were, what they looked like at this point last season. And you can see they, eat, you know, Whitewater had six losses, uh, you know, go all the way back to November. They had a good win at Heidelberg. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe not a ton that really uh, stood out that would put them on the radar as like a big you know, national uh, power. Of course, you know, we know they were a, a young team. You're talking about uh, – Miles Barnstable being a freshman and, you know, there's always some growing pains and whatever that comes along that even as great of a player as he is. Uh, and then looking at Nichols, kind of similar deal. You know, you've got at this point the season, they had kind of started that run uh, of wins that took them all the way to the Elite Eight. Uh, but just checking in at this point, you know, it was a nice six-game win streak, but there were five losses on the season. I don't know that you'd really pick out a win in there that would, as a signature win, that would get you top 25 voter recognition or uh you know even put uh nickels on the radar for a top 25 vote so neither of these teams appeared in any of the uh, top 25 polls until the final poll after they had made their tournament run yeah and both these teams were outstanding in march right nickels in the elite eight they were you know a possession or two away from making the final four themselves whitewater in the final four um and kind of season two date where we were going to release this episode on january 22 both these teams were kind of in like the 12 and 5, 12 and 6 range, taking a lot of losses. You know, a top 25 voter usually doesn't like to see that many losses. But as you mentioned, Zach, there's not a ton of great wins on here for, for either either program. I know it's going to be probably kind of small on your screen, but um, I think Nichols had two games against top 100 opponents, and I think both of them were double-digit losses. And Whitewater had, was like maybe 2 and 5 or 6 against top 100 teams at this point. So really not a ton of indication that they were going to go on a huge run. Now, both of these teams just sub, sub, subsequent to this did go on massive runs. I think Whitewater maybe maybe only lost one more game until the Final Four, and Nichols did not lose. You could see they were kind of already on that six-game run, did not lose until the Elite Eight. So they were about to go on runs. Uh, we just did not know it yet. Right. And, you know, there was nothing cheap about the runs they made. You know, Whitewater knocked off some big name programs. Uh, Nichols, just even in that opening weekend, knock off yeah. a UAA, knock off a NESCAC. Yeah. Right. So th- this was no like freak run. These were teams that developed into very solid teams down the line. Uh, and, you know, there wasn't anything at, at the point we sit here in January last season that necessarily would have would have uh, uh, indicated that. 
so as we mentioned, neither of these teams was ranked during the season in the top 25 poll. So as we wanted to try to identify or talk about some teams that, hey, maybe, maybe this could be a, like a dark horse team. We wanted to eliminate any team that has been ranked in a, a top 25 poll weeks one through six. We didn't worry so much about the preseason poll. Uh, we just were talking about all the polls since the games have actually played. So that that totals 38 teams uh, from the weeks one through six poll. We have them all listed here. I'm sure most people are familiar with who has been ranked, uh, but they're listed all here. We're not necessarily going to read them off, Matt. And so, uh, so there's 38 teams. There are a couple that we could have picked that I think, Matt, we're going to shy away from just because we expect either they will get ranked this week or are just like on the cusp of being yeah. highly rankable uh number one being johns hopkins who uh was ranked uh in the preseason poll if yeah. i'm correct then they you know they took losses early dropped out so they haven't been in any of the polls since the games have been played but now it looks like they've got things back on track we expect probably this week seven poll they will get in um and the other team here that we'll point out that's not hasn't been ranked yet but is appearing very rankable is claremont mud scripts so we will not talk about them. Uh, so that gives us 40 teams, Matt, that we're excluding from the from this pool. And uh, yeah, so let's let's go through here, Matt. And I think let, let's start with an interesting one because I don't think we can discount the possibility that this year's Nichols is in fact Nichols. I I think I like that pick. I think that's very very <coughs> excuse me very very possible. They're sitting there at 14 and three this year. Um, again, I think they've played, according to the efficiency ratings this time, they've played two top 100 teams that I found, um, a loss at St. Joseph, Connecticut, and a loss to Western New England. Um, they're probably in a position that they're going to just about have to win the um, Commonwealth Coast Conference to feel really good about getting in. I think they'll, the, they're a team that can be, uh, them and Western New England can maybe be in the Pool C mix somewhat uh, if they both go on really strong runs here. But I think to feel really, really strong, they're going to want to win the Pool A. But yeah, I think this is exactly the type of team, literally the type of team last year we saw go on a big run was Nichols. They don't, um, you know, they they play some good teams and they can usually hang tough in there. But their overall schedule is just usually not a gauntlet. And some of the games, even if they're winning most of them, you know, it's like they're playing like a kind of a number 200-ish team and maybe they're only a single-digit win. Um, it hasn't for me been a top 25 resume that I've wanted to, to vote on. Um, but again, we've seen this from this program in particular. I don't exactly know what it is, but come March, I don't know if they just take the whole season to just completely gel on their style. And then once they're clicking, they're clicking. Um, I, I mean, I bet it's something to that effect. Uh, but we just see kind of like by this point in the year, it looks a little bit ho-hum until all of a sudden you get to the end of February into March and you're like, oh man, Nichols, Nichols is really good. Uh, and we could very well see that again this season. And I, I think we heard those kind of ideas as we got into tournament time. And Nichols was one of these tournament darlings. And, you know, uh, their head coach, Brock Erickson, was making the rounds. But, you know, I think he was on Hoopsville, QCast. And, and he, he talked about it. They did have, have had groups that take a little bit longer to gel. Um, and, and they do play their best ball at the at the end of the season and also i think um you know every coach is going to say their their league is is tough or tougher than people give it credit for but I, I think there's some of that uh that plays out in the commonwealth coast conference and um you know i think we're seeing it this year you know life especially life on the road in conference is difficult yeah. you know it doesn't matter if the 
you know, it's a top 25 team or a team, you know, a, a top 100 Massey team, you know, win your games and, and really that's, all, that's all that matters. Uh, Nichols got on a, a great run last year, kind of around this time. And Matt, what we've seen right now, uh, is very similar. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I guess it's an yeah. eight game winning streak right now. Um, so yeah, if you look at the shape of the Nichols season, right now as we sit it's very similar to what we saw a year ago yeah if you want to get ahead on your bracket just start penciling nickels in for the second weekend you know is it going to be a sweet 16 is it going to be an elite eight or is this the year they get all the way to the final four um that's a that's your hot tip from here in in january january 22. all right our next team matt this is you know we can go back to the discussion we had in the top 25 talk you know we talked about there's a bunch of teams in some of these conferences that they're jumbled up and we don't really know you you mentioned Rowan Stockton that you know so the the, the same dynamic is in play in the NJAC that's just happening mm -hmm. slightly off your top 25 ballot what we're seeing with maybe the ARC slightly inside your top 25 ballot um but yeah you know, one of those teams in the mix there is uh Rowan who you know maybe is surprising that they haven't been ranked at all this season but again I think they're another team that took some early losses and maybe uh, could have played their way into an early top 25. Is, you know, they've been a very good team over the last couple of years, uh, but because they took the losses, they've been a little bit more off the radar or maybe maybe just in that on the radar group. Yeah. Uh, it, rather than being in enough ballots to actually make a top 25 so far, but uh, has the look of a, a team who could be dangerous come March. Yeah. Roan's a team. I think they've made my ballot a couple of times, um, but but haven't really been consistent enough um, in those spots to, to stay there. And when I've taken them off, they've kind of been in that kind of next 10 group most of the time. So I've had my eye on Rowan all season, um, even if they haven't actually made an in-season poll yet, which has been kind of interesting. But if you look at their record, 13 and five, that's very much what we were looking at from Whitewater and, Nick, and Nichols last year, right? A team that has some good results, but maybe a little bit of mixed results. Um, look at what Rowan has done versus the, the efficiency ratings top 50 there, like a loss to Christopher Newport, a loss to TCNJ, two losses to Stockton. They've beaten Worcester and they've beaten Mary Washington, who the computer still loves. Um, and so that kind of bolsters their rating there. But um, a little bit of mixed results in the top 50. They've done a little bit of better work in the kind of 51 to 100 range. Um, so they're definitely a team, I think, that has a little bit more than Nichols this year, shown that they can play with some of those other top teams. Um, but, but, but it's been a pretty strong schedule. Uh, you can see their Division Three strength of schedule right now, 602, uh, projecting that to stay 584 by the end of the season. I think they're a team that can get in at, via Pool C. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I think they're a team that could just about beat anyone. So if you want to talk about a team that can go on a run, win kind of three or four tournament games in a row, I think it is a team like Rowan. Um, you know, the NJAC's a fairly tough league. The top three, four, five teams in the NJAC is going to be a battle every single night. And those are the kind of games you get in the NCAA tournament where you have to play a Friday, Saturday against two good teams. And then again, the second weekend. Um, I think Rowan will be in a position to be able to handle that uh, at, after going through NJAC play, should they be able to get into the, to the tournament. Yep, absolutely. So it, um, you know, it's just really going to come down to, are they going to be able to get in? Obviously to make a run, you have to get in. Um, the SOS projection is looking really strong. So it's going to come down to just winning enough games in NJAC play, um, whether it be, you know, to win the conference tournament and get the auto bid or to be uh, one of those teams that's looking good for, for selection. Okay, Matt. So natural follow-up there with Rowan, we've mentioned them a couple of times. And that Stockton, who's in a really similar position, maybe um, not quite as strong in terms of 
the likelihood of getting into the tournament, although those head-to-head wins over Rowan will will certainly help in some regard. Um, you know, just the the projection on the winning percentage and the strength of schedule at this point is not quite as strong as what Rowan's looking like. But again, start you know win win your games, get in, and um, suddenly Stockton looks like they could be a dangerous team. Yeah, not a program I think anyone wants to see in the first weekend necessarily. Um, they have a, they're a strong program with strong tournament history in there. A really good win against Keene State or early in the season. Um, that that's the type of that's the type of resume booster that will really put you on the map. You get a win against like a, a region number one, like Keene State will probably be in region number two. Uh, but similarly to Rowan, I think the strength of schedule is going to be great. Playing what they did in the non-conference and then through the NJAC, it's just going to be overall can they win enough games. Um, winning percentage projections only going to be kind of in that 700 range. I think that's a really big difference if that's a game above 700 or a game below 700 for a team like Stockton. Um, so if they cannot win the NJAC, because that's going to be a tough tournament like it always is, uh, do they have enough wins to get in? If they do, you know, they're definitely, uh, you know, like Whitewater was last year. If they did not win that WIAC final, I do not think they would have gotten in. Like we saw UW Lacrosse did not get in last year, and they had been above Whitewater all season kind of until the, the WIAC tournament there. So um, yeah, there's going to be teams, final four quality teams that are going to be on their championship tournament, tournament championship day with a winner go home, um, mindset, because if they do not get in, obviously you cannot make the final four. And if you don't get that pool, a, you can never really feel good in division three, unless you're one of maybe the top, um, you know, five or 10 teams uh, on, on the, on the table. So I, I think Stockton's very much in that mold. If they can win enough games in the NJAC, they can get in. And if they can get in, they can, you know, do just about anything. And maybe this speaks better to their ability to get in versus their ability to get in and make a run. But Matt, I'm looking at there and aside from the Keene state win, their best wins, their top 100 wins are all in conference. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the losses out of conference. So that worries me a little bit. Um, but again, you go back to the the whitewater profile, them getting in was all about what they did in conference. Yeah. Uh, and then you make your run from there. Okay, next team, Matt. Another team who's taken some some losses, but the computer still loves, uh, and that's just because they played such a difficult schedule. And that's Mary Washington. Yeah, Mary Washington now just nine and six, uh, but a team very much still on my my watch radar. Because look at the schedule. Uh, you can see there's only 15 games that they've played, but just about all of them here are kind of within that top 100 uh, range according to my computer efficiency ratings. Um, they've taken a loss to Randolph-Macon, who the computer has as number one, Guilford, who the computer has as number four, Catholic, who's number five, right? Emory, who's still in there in the teens. Uh, they've beaten Hood. That's their best win, but then also losses to Roan and Christopher Newport. So in inside of the top 50, they haven't gotten as many wins as probably a top 25 voter would like to see, um, even if they've been competitive in some of those games. Uh, 51 to 100, though, they've really taken care of business, beaten Bridgewater, beaten Maryville, beaten Franklin and Marshall, beaten Marymount. Um they might be a team, it's going to be really close. They might need to knock off Christopher Newport and win that coast-to-coast conference uh, championship to get into the tournament. Um, but if they do, I think they're going to be a very dangerous team. Their, their, their issue, like we've talked about here from here on out, is they have to win enough games. Projected winning percentage, 669. Um, you know, with the 609 strength of schedule with a few regionally ranked wins, maybe that does get them in. But you're going to really, if they could, if they could leverage that winning percentage up closer to 700, ideally 700 with that strength of schedule they're they're going to be a good, a good candidate. Um, so again, the difficulty here for Mary Washington can't take too many more losses to get into the tournament. 
Um, but the computer absolutely loves what they've done against the schedule, even if that's not always been wins. Because at least the way my computer works is if you play other other good teams really, really tight, it thinks you're also a good team, even if you maybe lose by a bucket or two. And anytime we talk about the low winning percentage, high strength of schedule resume, we have to talk about Rochester from last year, Matt. Um, and Mary Washington's not quite there on the strength of schedule. And the, and the thing that really helped Rochester was the results versus regionally ranked opponents. What I think they were, what, 10 and six, if I'm remembering correctly, something like that. Um, And that's really where Mary Washington has stumbled in those games where they had the opportunity to get a win over a team who would likely be ranked, right? You're talking about a Randolph Macon, a Guilford, a Catholic, Um, you know, that those being losses have, we talk about, criteria sometimes getting double counted this is a case where it's kind of double hurting them uh, to have that be a loss because they really are going to be missing that regionally ranked opponent um, category that that really helped rochester a year ago yeah and if they're let's say three and six versus regionally ranked opponents you know the i don't know what the committee is exactly going to look at that and say but i can imagine them saying hey you have a 600 strength of schedule but you've only won a third of your ranked games that means You've played a lot of teams, haven't really beaten them that much and gotten a great strength of schedule for it. And overall, your winning percentage isn't that great. Um, whereas Rochester last year, I think they were, I think you were correct, like 10 and 6 in that range. Oh, you've played a lot of regionally ranked teams and you've mostly beaten them. And I think that makes a big difference when you're kind of trying to validate how that strength of schedule looks with, with regard to the winning percentage as well. The benefit of being in the UAA, you get a lot of those opportunities. All right, Matt, another team we've talked about before, kind of being off the radar and trying to bring them maybe a little bit more on the radar. This is a team you voted, have voted for in the past, and that's St. John's out of the Mayak. Yeah, I think I maybe had them back in last week, and then this, this week they took a loss to Hamlin, so I've taken them back out. But they're again, they're in that, in that next grouping of 10 to 20 teams that are just kind of feel like they're almost cycling in and out of the top 25 based on results. The computer still really likes St. John's. The efficiency ratings like the number 15 overall. They like their results, um, taking losses to Platteville and Mount Union, but beating Stockton, another team we talked about kind of on this list, and then a couple other um, top 100 games there, one win and one loss. Um, to me, you know, St. John's, one of my problems with them is their resume overall, I feel like is solid, but not overly exciting. There's, there's, They don't really have a game or two that I'm going to point to and say, that's specifically why I'm ranking them. That's specifically why that I'm excited about them. I think mostly they've just taken care of business against... Um, you know, I don't want to say the also rans on their schedule, but against the teams that are kind of more mid tier uh, in the in the Mayak and and whatnot, they've taken care of business against, and they they're putting together a good solid resume. I think they're going to be um, they're going to want to win the Mayak title probably, but I think they might be Pool C bubble viable um, depending on what their actual numbers end up as. Um, but again, I think they're a team that maybe lost out on the chance to get another maybe one or two solid regionally ranked wins under their belt in the non-conference. I don't think in Mayak play they're going to get very many opportunities there. Uh, so they are going to have trouble getting in. But uh, if they do, and I think they're the Mayak tournament favorite, so like, let's just say that. I think they're probably most likely to win the Mayak tournament. If they do get in, uh, again, like as you know, you kind of group up a, a tournament first round pod into like a one, a two, a three, or a four, they might be like a really tough three. Um, and like a three that can come out of a pod and maybe win a pod. Um, so they'll be really interesting to see where they, if they get in, where they end up. Um, and they're a team definitely, you know, could go out first round. You could see in the second weekend for sure. 
And it's difficult too, Matt. We know some changes are coming to the way that the MIAC is going to schedule, but they're still in that very heavy conference schedule. And so the opportunities to just to see how they, they match up with teams out of conference is, are very limited. And I think the, the MIAC in general, I would say, is not as good this year as it was a year ago. And when you're, when you're playing a large conference schedule, you kind of get in that bubble that's easy to, I don't want to say ignore, but just maybe forget about or be on the back burner. Um, and in some cases, that makes them the perfect dark horse candidate. But in other cases, it's like, like you said, it doesn't give you the chance for them to put out a resume that really gives you a lot to be excited about. Yeah. And, and you're right. They don't get a lot of chances to schedule non-conference games. And I think they did well here. They scheduled a couple of YACs. They got Mount Union. They got Stockton. You know, unfortunately for them, only one win in those three games. So um, that makes it more tough to be a Pool C candidate when your SOS is going to be pulled more toward 500 due to the large number of conference games you have. All right, Matt, let's go to the Mac Freedom Conference and talk about DeSales. Uh, DeSales is an interesting uh, team to me. They put together an, a nice record, 15-2. and two, So I think they have um, you know, more wins, less losses than a team like Whitewater, a team like Nichols had a season ago. But they haven't really punched maybe a signature win in that group. They've, they have a loss to Widener, who the, the computer really, really likes. Otherwise, it's kind of more teams in the 50 to 100 range, and they've, they've beaten those teams, uh, pulling maybe number number 43 TCNJ as well into that mix. So they're, they're a program that has shown that they can beat these kind of uh, tournament quality teams or fringe tournament quality teams. Um, you know, very easily could see someone like TCNJ and or Stevens in the mix in the, in the national tournament, and DeSales has fared favorably well against them. Um, so I think, to me, they're a team I've, again, I've said this a lot. They're on my watch list, right? These teams are not getting ranked very highly uh, by most voters. They're on my watch list, um, but don't have a ton of signature wins. And I think that's what we saw from Whitewater and Nichols last season at this time. It's There's not a whole lot to hang your hat on. So even if they've won a bunch of games, it's sort of like saying like, well, but which one am I really, really pointing to that says you're better than these other dozen or two teams that are in similar positions in the top 25? Yeah, when I think about it in terms of filling out a bracket, like what is it that's going to make me say, yeah, DeSales is the team I want to I want to take, whether it's, you know, just in terms of an upset or just making, you know, pick how I think of the game's going to go. What, what's going to drive me to be, you know, putting DeSales through on each line? All right, Matt, we've talked about the MIAA possibly being a three-bid conference after the, the league has really had a hard time getting two bids in. And right now, it looks like if it's gonna, it's gonna have to be a three bid for for hope to be the, you know, they're kind of looking like the third team in that mix, uh, you know, after the week they had losing to both Kelvin and Trine. Uh, but still, I, I I think this as we were preparing for this, this was one of the you know the resumes to date that you were kind of excited about in terms of how it lined up with maybe how we saw Whitewater or would have seen Whitewater at this point last season. Yeah, I think Whitewater had um, maybe like one kind of like top fifty win at this point. Um, and, and right now, Hope doesn't have one, but there are two games against Platteville and Whitewater, which were both at home for them. Man, those were both games they really probably should have won. So they could easily have one or two of those in their belt right now. Um, and they're going to maybe be kicking themselves come Selection uh, Sunday, Selection Monday for not having those. Uh, but they've shown, you know, that they, they can be in that mix with those two, you know, WIAC teams. Um, you know, they they 
pulled that game pretty tight with Calvin at the end on the road. So that was, uh, you know, a disappointing loss for them, but they, they weren't out of the mix there, you know, trying to really put the medal down in the second half of their game on Saturday and, and turn that into a little bit of a blowout. But um, I don't expect that to be maybe the case the second time around. Uh, Hope's a team. I think they're still very much in the pool C mix. I think they're going to want to go on a little bit of a run. Um, and definitely of the kind of the three MIAA favorites, they're the one that's most interested in winning the pool A now that they've taken two losses against the other top two teams. Um, but I think they're very much a team that, that fits that, that white water mold. Not that they're exactly the same. They don't have a Miles Barnes stable on their team, uh, which is very nice to have if you're going to make a deep tournament run. Um, but again, they're the type of team that's been in some of these good games, haven't quite won them, taken a few more losses than maybe they wanted to, uh, more on the fringes of the pool C discussion, uh, going to want to win that pool A. But if they get in, I don't think anyone's going to be super excited to be matched up against Hope or, um, you know, even if it's in the the off game, the host of that site's not going to be excited to have Hope come in because that's potential for a really tough game. Um, We've seen them both this season and just in their program history be able to compete with those types of teams. So I think very much Hope right now fits the profile of a team like a Whitewater. Again, not a team that I'm going to expect is automatically going to make a Final Four run, but if they somehow got through the MIAA tournament, maybe won that, started getting on a little bit of a roll, uh, maybe they end up having that kind of white watery type season. Yeah, and you remember just a year ago, um, you know, they're a, a jump shot at the buzzer away from maybe being one of the teams that we're using as an example. Um, yeah. In that second round game against Oshkosh. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, there's some different personnel, or whatever, but um, you know, this they, yeah. they were on the doorstep of kind of making a little bit of a run there last year um but you know matt we saw it up close and personal you know this this week uh it's going to be a tough go for them if they're going to shoot two for 22 from three but you know some of those shots start going you can see how this could be a team easily that gets on the run you know they've got some size they've got uh some athleticism and if those shots from the outside start going it's a it's a different picture yep all right matt moving on here you know we uh in my mind when i'm talking dark horses sometimes it's hard to think of a team from a power conference so to speak um being a dark horse of course we're using whitewater coming from the WIAC, maybe so that's kind of off the table and and you know that's a little bit of a different picture in division three anyway so uh but we're, we're going here with the nescac certainly one of those power division three conferences uh but what are those teams that's maybe you know a tier or two down from you know the headliners of the conference right now and that's connecticut college yeah i love the camels uh they're 13 and 5 right now i think all of their losses are in the efficiency ratings top 100. So they, they haven't lost kind of really a bad game, what you'd call a bad game. They do have a win against Tufts, who's I think maybe probably still, well, Trinity's the favorite, maybe in the NESCAC right now. And then I think Tufts is in that mix as well. Um, so they do have a win over Tufts, which is really good. Um, a win over Wesley and a win over RPI. Uh, but again, 13 and five, I, I think they're probably looking good for the tournament. They're another team that's not going to want to take too many unexpected losses, but I think they're going to have a good strength of schedule, some chances for some more regionally ranked wins. So I think they have a good shot, not a guarantee by any stretch, but, you know, maybe approaching a 50-50 shot to get into the tournament as a pool C. Um, And yeah, a team from the NESCAC that's played through, even though it's only a single round robin, but if you play through that schedule and then you play through the conference tournament, I think you've played a lot of really good teams. You've been in a lot of road and and home environments, so you're, you're prepared to maybe win some of those games. Uh, And I think Connecticut college has shown that they can, um, maybe compete at that level. And I think I would not be, again, surprised if they're a team that gets in and we're talking about them as like a second weekend on the cusp of, you know, an Elite Eight type of a thing. Um, None of these teams are guaranteed that they even get in, much less make a deep run. But uh, I think definitely a team 
from a good conference like the NESCAC might be um, might be kind of preparing themselves for that with, with the types of games that they're playing, uh, even if a couple of losses are piling up here. All right, Matt, one more on the list here, and that's another six-loss team here, though, Matt, with Heidelberg. Um, maybe not one of the teams that we talk about, you know, in that top tier of the OAC, but such a deep league. This is one of the teams kind of right there on the fringe of the top tier that that makes the OAC one of the deepest leagues in yeah. Division Three. Yeah, another team that doesn't have really too many bad losses. I think they did lose one game earlier on to Alma, which is maybe kind of the one sticking point on the resume. Um, but uh, again, they've played a lot of good teams and haven't necessarily won all of those games, but they do have a few good wins in the mix. Uh, definitely a team I think is going to want to win their pool A at this point. So Heidelberg, uh, just like Whitewater last year, is going to have to start their run in the OAC tournament, I think. Um, you know, that, that's a tough tournament. You're probably going to have to go up against someone like a Marietta or like a John Carroll or a Mount Union and probably win two of those games um, to, to, to get that pool A bid, to win that OAC tournament and then get in. Um, if you're in... Heidelberg, I think, has played uh, competitively with a bunch of these teams, has won some of those types of games, uh, and again, is not going to be a team that is going to be welcomed with open arms into a host site. That's going to be a, a, a tough out, especially going through the OAC if they're on a roll winning the OAC tournament. Um, again, I think their path to a pool C is very, very, very narrow. I think their path to kind of a top 25 vote is very, very narrow at this point, unless they start a heck of a run now. Um, but again, if they get rolling... Uh, the type of team that Heidelberg is, the computer still likes them as kind of like a top 40 type of a team. You get on a little bit of a roll and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're talking you're talking March and you're talking second weekend. And as we look at the projected resume, definitely going to need to be getting on a run here just just to be putting up, you know, especially a winning percentage number that, you know, looks good for a tournament resume in absolute sense but you got to think about the regional picture here region seven there's a lot of traffic yeah. to fight through and uh you know first order of business is is to get ranked as high as possible as you can in your in your region and region seven being as deep as as it is you're fighting with a lot of teams just to get into the rankings um and and there's just a lot of uh, you know, just like you deal with your top 25 ballot, there's a lot of teams that could be considered. There's a lot of teams that are going to be in the mix fighting for uh, position, whether that is just inside or just, you know, outside. We we hear from committees, they rank, they will rank beyond, you know, the seven teams just because as you get to that table, as, as you know, if you go on a run in a, in a league, you may need, you know, to know who is the eighth team, who's ninth, who's 10th. Yeah. And uh, so there's just, you know, there's going to be a lot of traffic there to fight through for Heidelberg. Yeah, Region 7 is one of those regions and probably Region 6 where you could exhaust your list of teams and have a team on the table who was maybe actually, quote unquote, outside the regional rankings join the table. Um, I don't know, either of those regions will get kind of that eighth place team into the tournament, but I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of those two regions gets that eighth place team up to the table kind of by the last couple of selections. Yeah, even if it's left on the table, it's still, you need to know who that is to plug them in. All right, Matt. So are, are we going to look back, uh, you know, two months from now and and, and find a, a Cinderella run from team listed here? Who knows? Who knows? Probably not. Fun to think about. But, you know, that's, that's the fun of the tournament is you know it's going to come from somewhere, someone somewhere, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I think part of the, 
part of the fun of it and trying to figure out who those teams are is you look back at Whitewater last year, you look at Nichols last year, and we probably never would have picked them out, right? So we're in trying to pick out who that's going to be, we're probably doing yeah. a bad job. Yeah. Well, it's tough because okay. all those all these teams have warts on their resume, right? That's why they're sure. off the radar. That's why they're not in the top 25. So um, right. that's why it's hard. Well, not only, not only that, but, you know, it's very likely half or more of these teams won't even be in the tournament. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Fun discussion, Matt. Thank you. All right. That brings us into our picks, starting with our review from last week's picks. Uh, Matt, we started off the week with Hope at Kelvin. I was very clear. I was very, very clear that my pick was a Kelvin win by one or two points. Uh, It turned out to be an eight-point win, Matt, which you were on the eight-point win side, so you get the point there. Um, Even though I was correct in predicting a Kelvin win over Hope. Just to be very, very clear, everyone who watched the pick segment last week would be very clear about that. All right, Matt, Pomona Pitzer was getting four and a half at Claremont Mud Scripps. It was a CMS win, 82-78, but uh, the four-point difference means we win that one against the spread. We both had Pomona Pitzer plus the four and a half. Uh, We were laying the big number with Baruch, Matt, both of us, laying eight points against Lehman, and it was a Big win for Baruch in an important game there in the Cunyak, 82-54 for Baruch. Williams was two-point uh, road favorites at Middlebury. Matt, we both went with Williams, and that was a 91-82 win for Williams. And in our game of the week, Matt, we've talked a lot about last year Whitewater, but this year Whitewater really needed this game. Yeah, The computer saw it as a pick at Whitewater. They did not get it. Platteville, the 77-73 win. And uh, well, I tell you what, it would be a heck of a run now for Whitewater to be this year's Whitewater because yeah. they are. I think. I think at this point we can say they're in pool A or, or bust mode. Yeah, right, Matt? yeah. They're, very. They're, if they're not there, they're like right on the cusp of that. I, but I think they basically are pool A or bust, uh, which they were last year. The only difference is now this year they're on the radar and they're not kind of a dark horse candidate because they've been a team that's been ranked all season. Correct. But that's a that's a tough league if they don't win that pool A. You know they could be the Guilford of this year who's ranked and and not in the tournament. So. Correct. I went three and two last week, Matt. I'm 35, 19 and one. You followed up my perfect five and a week with a five and a week of your own. You get to 31, 23 and one. Congratulations, my dear brother. Big, big week. Big week. All right. Here's this week's picks. Uh, our first game is Claremont Mud Scripts plus seven and a half points at Cal Lutheran. Uh, these lines are all presented by our efficiency ratings. Our computer ratings spits out a kind of a point spread here. Uh, Gettysburg, half a point favorite at Franklin and Marshall. Williams, plus eight at Tufts in a big Nescat game. Wittenberg, plus four and a half at Wabash. And our D3 Datacast game of the week, the American Rivers Conference, uh, co three and a half point underdogs at Loris. So let's go up to the top. Claremont, Mudscript, seven and a half point dogs at Cal Luzak. Who do you like? Well, we've talked about cms playing really good basketball right now uh i cal lose a solid team they've been solid all year they continue to be solid but i think i think cms is playing better than what they've been on average this season so with the seven and a half there based on the season long profile that the computer develops there i will take the points yeah straight up um i would pick cal lutheran to win this game at home but that's not the name of the game we're picking up against a pretty big point spread here uh, so I'm going to go with Claremont Mud Scripts to keep that tighter than seven and a half. Uh, game number two in the Centennial, Gettysburg, half a point at Franklin and Marshall. 
Who do you like? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Gettysburg, Matt. You know, go back to our episode about the things that we were wrong about uh, coming into the season. We thought that the Centennial would be a two two team race between Johns Hopkins and Swarthmore. I think these are two of the teams that are responsible for making it that we you know, the reason that we were wrong. Yeah. However, I I think I just have a stronger um, opinion about Gettysburg right now, so I will take them on the road. Yeah, I'm going to go the same direction. I think Gettysburg, um, and both these teams are good. Both these teams are, you know, I think contending for the centennial there. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think Gettysburg is a little bit stronger. Even though this is on the road, I think this is a game that they can look at and make a statement. Uh, maybe win this one outright and cover that half a point spread there. Uh, Williams and Tufts, eight point spread. Yeah, that's a big number. And with you know the shine kind of coming off Tufts, I'm going to go Williams. Yeah, Zach, uh, this is going to be a boring week here because I'm going to go the same direction as you. Uh, although Tufts did come back into my top 25, I think eight seems a little bit too big uh, for this, uh, even though that's what the computer says. So I'm going to pick Williams to keep it closer, uh, although I would probably, again, pick Tufts straight up. Uh, Wittenberg and Wabash. Wittenberg is getting four and a half points. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Wittenberg on this one. I I feel like Wittenberg's kind of a never die team, Matt. You know, we talked a couple of times about Trey Killens, yeah. you know, a player we really liked seeing at the GLI. I you know, kind of keeping tabs on him, and um, you know, the whole NCAC race really changed with Wittenberg being able to uh, come back and get a an OT win against Denison, mm. and and that's that's allowed you know. Wittenberg and Wabash to really be in the mix still here. Um, and, and Trey Killens didn't have a great day that day, but down the stretch, you know, he was, he was money. That's just, I'm not going to bet against that kid. Uh, give me Wittenberg. No, that's a good call, but this is going to be the first one I'm going to go against you. Um, home court's going to be so, so important here in the NCAC race. Like you said, there's a few teams still in that mix there. Um, you know, I think I think Wabash to win, and I think to cover that four and a half. I think this is this is they're going to look at this game as one they absolutely need to stay in that NCAC title race. Uh, so then, going on to our D three Datacast game of the week, it is Co plus three and a half points at Loris in the American Rivers Conference. Zachary, your pick. You know, whether it's trying to figure out who should be in or out of the top twenty five, or who's the favorite in the American Rivers, I don't know. Pull a name out of a hat and. So I'm going to go with Loris as the home team. All right. Um, I'm going to pick Co here. So our second one, that's different. Uh, three and a half, you know, that's close to just a home court advantage. Um, I, you know, again, this, this game could go absolutely either way. I think for me, I, I think I still, you know, like Co maybe just a little bit better. Um, and I think that they can maybe even win this game outright. Uh, going to be a tight one, going to be a great one in the American River is going to be a great conference race here. And this is the type of game that could decide it. Um, so these, these games are ever important. So I will pick Co, and uh, end the week on that one. I love it. Great picks. All right, Matt, this is the time we usually open up the mailbag to answer some listener questions, talk about the things they want us to talk about instead of the things that we just decide we're going to talk about. But, uh, the mailbag's empty this week. That's okay. If you have something that you'd like for us to address in a future mailbag, you can leave it as a comment on YouTube. You can find us on our social media channels at D3DataCast on Twitter slash X or on Facebook. Uh, lots of ways to get in hold, a hold of us. We would love to um, feel your questions and, and talk about them. 
And that wraps up this episode. So as always, Matt, we need to give a big good job team. Thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Matt, we are starting off the third column here. David Brown joined us as a new uh, supporter on the great job team tier. So shout out to David Brown. You get your name shout out for being a great job team supporter. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate everyone here who's decided to uh, sign up for, you know, what we consider a voluntary subscription as opposed to, um, you know, making any paywalls or putting any of the, the data or information that's available on d3datacast.com, uh, making that a true subscription. We've, we make it available to everyone. And thankfully we have some people who have chosen to volunteer, volunteer themselves to, uh, to provide some support to be able for us to be able to do that. And we are certainly grateful. Yeah, thanks to everyone here so much uh, for keeping d3datacast.com ad-free. Hope you like to use that data on d3datacast.com. This is the type of the year where those regional ranking stuff start to get really important and start to solidify. So use that. Um, also, check out the great work by people like Drew Pasteur at D3Bubble. Uh, he's got a great uh, Twitter feed that he posts um, kind of bubble picture and also a website that has his computer simulations. Also check out a most recent QCast episode with Jacob Schauer, former D3 athlete who is running his own computer uh, rating. So we love that. There's no competition in this space. The more, the merrier, especially when it comes to D3 data. That's what we're all about here, Zach. Uh, had a good time in this episode. Thanks to all these people on the screen and good job team. 